Okay, we have so... Do we have a lot to talk about? You know, as I think, uh, I've been... Okay, hello and welcome back to The Luminaries in its new... um, This is the MTV Unplugged of The Luminaries. This This is not the Tiny Desk concert, this is the MTV Unplugged. And if you're old enough to know what that means, congratulations, you're you're decrepit like I am. Anyways... You know, we're in a new freeform style, so um, I, I suppose we should start with official business, which is we do have a point of correction from last week's episode. You know, I'm just really throwing you in here. Um, uh, Luminaries historian and archaeologist and frequent guest Dexter Driscoll did inform me that Nicole Kidman is not a cancer. <laughs> so let's all take that in. Nicole Kidman is not a cancer. She's actually on the final degree of Gemini, which is like, uh, I don't know what to do with that. Um, You know, it makes sense just because like Nicole Kidman is so, I hate, I don't want to use this word, but she's so incalculably random where the chutzpah she has in her career, in a career that has made no sense, where she is able to go from doing those AMC commercials to Lars von Trier and Robert Eggers and back again, you know, to simultaneously do Birth and Aquaman and have it all make sense. By the way, her Aquaman, I saw Aquaman with Louis Rendon <laughs> on Mushrooms, I think like on Christmas Day. Aquaman is an incredible film. If anyone is listening to this, you make a night of it. You need to watch Aquaman, okay? Because that, first of all, it harkens back to a time when movies were made to be rides at Universal Studios, one. And some of us remember the Waterworld ride. Two, it's beautiful to look at. It's really, um, it's really original visually. Three, and this is an important Patrick Wilson playing the Ocean Master gives, and and I'm quoting Lulu Krauss here, the performance of a lifetime. Now, Lulu and I have have a thing when when we say performance of a lifetime, we don't mean like Daniel Day-Lewis in an Oscar-winning role. We mean an actor in a movie that is going to be considered lowbrow giving... Everything they've got. So Lulu, for instance, always brings it up with the actor who plays Renfield. <laughs> Sorry, no, that's me. Bring up the actor who plays Renfield <laughs> in, in Dracula. She also brings it up with Joaquin Phoenix in the cop film We Own the Night. She says the villain in Ghostbusters 2, that's the performance of a lifetime, etc. Sharon, okay, for instance, Sharon Stone in Catwoman, performance of a lifetime. Patrick Wilson, who you know I adore, not only from girls, but of course from little children, the prom king, as the ocean master. Now, he is, this man is acting underwater as the king of the ocean. I believed every goddamn word he said. You could have told me that Patrick Wilson grew up beneath the Titanic. I believed every word. I think he deserved a nomination for that film. It's a beautiful performance. Now... I mean, I didn't even want to go here, but, like, this is what is so fucking horrifying about um, the backlash decade we have, we have been sprung into over the last two months. 
Amber Heard, we, we now have basically have it confirmed that the studio, Warner Brothers, wanted to ice out Amber Heard from the second movie because now that like the men of Twitter have turned against her, um, they, they, they just wanted to like get rid of her. Uh, because she's like a crazy woman because she, you know, wrote an op-ed about how her ex-husband beat her. So here we are, uh, you know, and this is very much Amber Heard like me is a Taurus Sun Libra Moon. You know, here we go. She has basically revealed, and the only reason she's in Aquaman 2 is because Jason Momoa, true man, and, um... James Wan, like, fought for her. They were going to have her cut out completely because they don't want to risk losing these demented male fans. So so there's a few things to say here. First of all, for all of these studio, you know, declarations by these executives about um, Me Too and about supporting women, okay, this is the truth. And secondly, I've said this before, fans are nobody. Fans' opinions are meaningless. When they turned the world into, like, a fan discourse of we do it for the fans, you know, fans react to the new trailer. They they open Pandora's box, and now the pigs have taken over the slaughterhouse, and losers are dictating the direction of culture. I don't think so. So, you know... Needless to say, it's all it's it's all very grim and bleak and disappointing, um, and it's it's just been very it's been expected, but shocking how immediately the culture has just said like, actually, no, we've decided that Johnny Depp is um, Johnny Depp is totally chill and like a normal, relatable guy, and she must be a crazy liar. Whatever. You know what? I, I don't need to get into it. Why did I bring up Aquaman? Oh, anyways, Nicole Kidman, I think the versatility fits the Gemini archetype. I think Nicole, you know, Nicole Kidman, we're, we would also say Natalie Portman is a very, very important Gemini. Um, Gemini men. I really got nothing for you. So, you know, men, men, you know, okay, I'm going to be so mean. I was on a po- podcast last year and she was like bringing up male celebrities. She was like, she, perfectly nice host. I, I had a great time, but she was like, Adam Levine. And I was like, I, I, I got, n- I, I have nothing for you. Um, if you listen to the very first episode of this podcast ever recorded with Charlene, <laughs> I asked Charlene about like how she lip syncs. Charlene's one of the, Charlene is the greatest living drag queen. I asked her about drag performer. Sorry, I asked her about performing like Matchbox Twenty, and she and I'll never forget this. She goes, "I was like, what's it like doing the lyrics of Men?" And she's like, "Rob Thomas is not a man." And you know that's the truth of it. So I got nothing for you with Gemini men besides Donald Trump and Kanye West, and I think um, uh, Dennis Rodman, which is that's something. Anyways, you know we we do see that hyper versatility, and with Nicole Kidman, I think th- this is the Gemini thing that that does click for me. Gemini's have no perspective. Sorry, 
And when they're in a mood or a zone, that becomes their whole identity and they're not aware of who they were last year. So Nicole Kidman, what makes her, I think, such a an icon camp-wise is there is a guilelessness and a deep earnestness about her excitement about every husband or every role. You know, she, if you listen to her Mark Maron interview, she is... She's just a country mama, you know, but she's also able to say, yes, I will. I will play the Jocasta to Alexander Skarsgård's Oedipus in uh, The Northman. Um, do I even want to what are my favorite Nicole Kidman movies? So, ma- you know, <laughs> too many to count. Um, yeah, I- I honestly, like. I'll just say that Practical Magic, I mean, obviously Eyes Wide wide Shut, the top she wears, the nipple showing, the glasses, obviously. She looks to die for in Batman Forever. Um, Obviously Practical Magic. I just think like that hair, you're not ever going to touch that. To die for, there's a million I'm not even thinking of. Oh, of course, you know, when she bitches out Diane Weiss in Rabbit Hole. But something about Practical Magic, I, I just want to, like, be in that world. That is the show I want to write, which is, like, women with bangs. I mean, this is charm, too. Women with bangs who do magic, and we're not going to explain the rules. You just have to kind of, like, figure them out yourself. I, that's... That's that's me. That's my world. Okay. Yeah. What a shock to you. Um, all right. Now that we've we've done that point of of correction, um, how would I describe this first month in Tel Aviv? I would say the scene in Royal Tenenbaums when um, Bill Murray's private detective, private investigator. <laughs> drops the files on Margot Tenenbaum's lost years, that montage, that's kind of where I am right now. I am in a full Margot Tenenbaum secret cigarette era. I've still never touched a cigarette in my life, but yeah. Um, It's been an interesting... It's been an interesting world because, you know, I went out on my birthday and... so this country, of course, once you're 18, you can go out. There's none of that Michigas they have in the States. And so there's different scenes for different ages. And there's something really beautiful. I, ended, I went to a Dua Lipa party, and I, I was the oldest person there by about 600 years. All of them were children. They were 19 or something. But it was beautiful because there was this sense of actual young people getting to create um, a culture for themselves. And it felt really innocent it felt really sweet and joyful and playful and it kind of like i don't know after all these years of darkness it kind of took me back because i i used to go to those parties when i lived here when i was 18 i went to those parties every single night so it just it took me back and it was really beautiful to see you know the new generation um they have more pop that there's more Israeli pop girlies now. So, you know, you'll hear actual Hebrew, like Hebrew lyrics and songs when you're out now, which wasn't as much of a thing when I was here, which is lovely. Um, and I've gotten real. I love El Atal. Okay. Besides that, the sauna's here. Hello. 
um saunas here are not like saunas in the states the saunas here are like nightclubs like they're only open on certain nights at certain hours and they have djs and dance floors and bars in the sauna so if that is you know all all content about jewish men stuffed into uh ovens by choice you know all auschwitz references aside uh, if that sounds chaotic to you, yeah, beyond. Um, there was a Lana Del Rave last night, but I was too tired to go. I'm sorry. Um, I'll keep you posted, though. You know, things are so much more expensive. I, I, honestly, I don't want to talk about how expensive it is because that is the most boring conversation topic in the history of the human race. Okay. Um, so, first of all, uh, oh, yeah. The other update about real life is that I like all my favorite Miyazaki heroines. I am uh, I am applying for restaurant work. So I am looking to get a service job. You know, I am going to be evoking Kiki and Chihiro, uh, girls who go to strange new worlds and, uh, and find work, you know, uh, sweeping the floors. So, uh, yeah, we'll... Whatever. We'll see. I mean, I think it, it, it's, it's a cinematic fantasy that needs to happen, which is, you know, me as the cafe girl in the Mediterranean. Uh, you know, he used to be an intellectual, you know, now he's free, dot, 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 dot. Okay. So, oh, by the way, I know I should do this more professionally, like at the beginning or end of the podcast, but listen, if you're listening, I'm doing like a quick... Um, promotion where if you want to buy a reading for yourself or for another use a code it's only up for a week so this is going to expire june 2nd it's called pod girl p-o-d-g-i-r-l and you get 15 percent off a reading so go to davidodyssey.com book an astro or a tarot reading or both and use the code pod girl okay i think you should Retrograde's almost over. I think we all could use a summer check-in. I I just did a reading with one of my favorite listeners, Michael Bednar. I'm sorry I'm calling you out. He's been really encouraging about me doing the pod again. Um, so I just like love to see my people, and there's nothing better than reading people who like get me and like the pod. So just book it. Okay. Um, by the way, speaking of podcasts, I like... I... I'm listening to You Must Remember This. Ruby got me into it when we were teaching about Pluto and Scorpio. We were teaching about like 80s sexuality. And the current season is, it's hosted by this woman, Karina Longworth, who's a total weirdo and I love her. The current season is about, uh, it's about Hollywood history. This season is about 80s sex in, in 80s cinema. And it's so, so good. I did not know how fucked up Melanie Griffith was. I did not know that she had an affair with Ryan O'Neal. Ryan O'Neal, you know, when we look at the, the litany of Taurus men who are scumbags, we have like Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Idi Amin, Saddam Hussein, and then Ryan O'Neal. I mean, the, the tragedy with Ryan O'Neal, of course, is no one on earth. I mean, that man is gorgeous which is what makes it even sadder but you know i'm not even getting into this again if you haven't read the angelica houston new york magazine interview you know 
Go home to your mother. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, first of all, let's just start. I finally watched Ang Lee's Sense and Sensibility. Oh my god. I think Emma Thompson is supposed to play the trench bull in the in the film adaptation of Matilda the Musical. Matilda the Musical has a lot of great great ones. It has a lot of duds, but I would say the opening and closing song alone make the whole thing worth it. I think she'll be a great trench bull. She and Kate Winslet, great. Did not know Alan Rickman was in this. And it's it's one of my favorite Hugh Grant performances because he is just so pathetic. It's great, great, great. Um, you know, watching films about the gentry in those periods, about the bourgeois, about um, these classes who just kind of sit around and play cards all day. Look, I was on a catamaran in Greece a month ago, and you know when when the when the people on your catamaran are wearing shirts that say birthday girl and then they're the other people in the party have shirts that say sister of the birthday girl brother of the birthday girl you know they're they're drinking wine on a catamaran i don't really know how much things have changed okay all right um yeah I, I, I don't even know where... Listen, the other thing I'll say about Jane Austen, and this is not interesting and this is not original, but it did really make me think about the Samuel Delaney point. Delaney has this point about how all fiction is about money and like... Which he basically means to say all good fiction is about money. Um, I do think that that's what Jane Austen just like has kind of over everyone else. Um... Because Age of Innocence, which is Wharton, is is about money in a sense, but it's all it's about like it, it, it it's about like class, which is money, but it, it's more about like sexuality and class. There's something with with Austin where she's just like this is only about money that makes it. That's why it's immortal. And and I think it's like a little silly when people write it off. And by the way, I just reread Little Women. You know that I'm always five minutes away from rewatching Greta Gerwig's Little Women. I I haven't the strength to, to watch the Susan Sarandon one, which is terrible. I just... I'm so attached to Greta Gerwig that I can't do it, which is weird because the Susan Sarandon one has everyone I like. Like, first of all, shocking. Can I just say something? Shocking. That the 1990s Little Women, that is maybe the only movie in the 90s that does not have Anna Paquin starring as a, as a child actress. By the way, she's not a good child actress. She's a great actress. She's a bad child actress. She did not deserve that Oscar. Okay. The 90s Little Women has Claire Danes and Winona Ryder. You would think. And yet, I'm so, so, so attached. Um, so I just... I just read Little Women. I read the first Little Women, um, which also has a really strong emphasis on money. And I just think it takes it, it makes it so much more interesting. Um, To contrast my reading Little Women, and I'm about to lose my entire podcast audience from this. um, I just, I just like rewatched Fight Club. I know. I I literally, I can hear you all just like throwing your phones into moving traffic, like, why it's so weird that I did that. I, it's 
fine. I think it's a movie, first of all. Like, it actually is a movie, and you can count on David Fincher for that, and Helena Bonham is great, but, like, this is the thing with Fight Club, and this is also not interesting or original. Okay. If you take, first of all, if, okay, this is actually original. If Jared Leto wasn't in that movie, it would be fine. There's something about him being in it where I'm like, God, I hate you, you know? It's like, he makes the movie more straight. Then it, then it, it, it wasn't straight until he's in it, and then it becomes straight drag. Okay. What isn't interesting that I want to say is that if you took the aesthetics of Fight Club, which is like a bunch of greasy men in a basement, like reclaiming their like lost animus or whatever, you would be at literally any gay sex party in Brooklyn. Okay. It is so humiliating how parallel these two arcs of like masculine reclamation are and how how limited the gay male imagination is which is to say we have the fairies who are basically idiots i'm okay i'm gonna be in so much trouble because you know that i actually secretly want to get in with the fairy community but i just think and by the way i know a lot of truly brilliant people who are in the fairy world i just mean like the fairy like process which is like i'm gonna put a braid in my hair and call myself banana you know it leaves a little something to be desired for me i'm sorry the rest of it sounds great you know i would love to go to a beltane ritual but the gay dungeon sex thing is just like yeah it's gross canola oil shadows it's so fight club that you know, I don't know what's worse. Are gay men worse or are, like, male um, incels worse? I don't know. I really watched it because I've just been missing Brad Pitt. And, you know, he's a double sag. I, I, there's just something there for me uh, that I needed to explore. And then after that, I watched... Um, once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I really enjoyed watching at home much more than I did in the theater. I was able to kind of, like, take breaks and and get into it. And then I watched Inglorious Bastards. So, first of all, sorry, I'm just consulting. Yeah, what is there to say about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood other than Quentin Tarantino cast Lena Dunham, one, as I think her she, her name is like Squiggle. She's in, in the Manson cult. And of course he cast Dakota Fanning as Squeaky From. I mean, you really can't touch that. Okay? You just you can't that that's uncrackable. It, it's just too good. Um so I, I was the Lena Dunham comeback is is already upon us. You know, I have foreseen it and she is she has her her Catherine called Birdie movie, blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, I did. Uh, I didn't understand Once Upon a Time in Hollywood until I saw it the second time, and it, it's such a beautiful idea and such a beautiful. It's such a beautiful dream of like what, what a movie can do to repair, repair the past and repair reality. We then come to Inglorious Bastards. Hello. First of all, this is what I'll say about Inglorious Bastards. This is what I'll say, as if I'm not going to say more. Melanie Laurent, 
was Wasted in Beginners, which is a film I did not like. She is so fucking fierce. God damn. When she's wearing the red dress to the David Bowie montage, you can't beat that. Inglorious Bastards, and I say this as someone who is literally in the most densely populated city of beautiful people. Inglorious Bastards is a celebration of Jewish male beauty. You know, we have informal wear. Eli Roth, BJ Novak. BJ Novak, who, you know, I could not care less. But even in that scene, we're seeing these Jewish men presented as not only masculine, but beautiful and sexy in a way that I think the American lens rarely does. Um, and it's so much, there, there's, I just reread the New Yorker review of it and they hated it and they just didn't get it at all, which is just kind of ironic to me because there's so much going on there. There is so much, you know, seeing Eli Roth desecrating the, the corpse of Hitler is, you know, how many hours do you have? Okay. Um, but yeah, it's really weird that I'm on this Tarantino thing. Just honestly, like, let it ride out. Um, it's just been nice to watch, like, actual movies again. And, you know, I've been saying Jupiter is an Aries, Quentin Tarantino is an Aries, Camille Paglia is an Aries. This is the age where the new heroes rise up, and we're going to be seeing the debuts next year of the new heroes, the new the faces, the change makers of, of the decade to come. So it's just about seeing someone original who's able to pull it, just fully fucking pull it off. That's, I find really, um, inspiring. Um, look, I'll admit the Billy Eichner trailer for his new movie had me emotional. It, you know, and this is not me being like as a podcast, as a gay, bitter, single Jewish podcaster i feel seen it is not well it is that it just okay this is what i'll say i actually resent conversations around you know quote visibility matters or um as a person of this minority it meant a lot to see dot 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 in this role i just find that a little i think I think that leads to what we're seeing with Amber Heard, which is like, then the studios can, anyone can then pat themselves on the back for like putting a woman in a role or or a gay person in a role when in reality they don't give a shit about us. You know, does that make sense? Like, I'm very suspicious. And the reason I'm always going to flock to maybe a campier role or like a gay villain is because I think there's something more honest about that, which is like a queer person is going to come in and like do it and they know what the score is. They know everyone is against them and they're just going to do this role like all the way. Like there's something about Sandra Bernhard in hello, Gemini, Sandra Bernhard in Hudson Hawk where you're like, Oh, this bitch knew the studio was never going to understand her. So I'm just saying all that because you know, when it comes to like, like, for instance, when people are like, well, why isn't there a, a deaf person on the Avengers yet? It's like, what is that going to do for you? You know what I mean? I think it's more interesting when you see actual 
ownership, which is to say, like, they're, you know, Kieran Gillen's Young Avengers team are all queer people. If you've read that comic book, it's all, all the characters are queer. Then it's more interesting. You're seeing more interesting dialogues going on. Bigger questions are being answered. It's not about tokenism. So I'm just saying all of this to say that I am, I'm not used to seeing this. And this is like, a well-written comedy about queer people by a queer person that's also not, like, neoliberal born this way and also, like, involves fucking. I I don't know. It made me emotional. So, again, you know, Jupiter is in Aries and we are at the start of a new cycle. So I'm like, and I, you know, I just watch all these fucking Quentin Tarantino movies. I'm like... Why not? Like, why not go for it? Um, I feel like all of my friends are doing something and it's really inspiring. And I'm like, why not believe that we could do something different than just like feeling cynical all the time? Um, I also watched the trailer for She-Hulk. So to be clear, most Marvel shows are bad. And you heard how I felt about... Doctor Strange. She-Hulk is a, uh, you know, listen, I love the girl. I was reading She-Hulk comics in high school. The Dan Slott run is very fun, of course. She-Hulk is the Hulk's cousin who's also an attorney. Um, And Tatiana Maslany is playing her. Of course, Tatiana Maslany we know from Orphan Black. I highly recommend the New York Magazine profile on her in which she admitted that while playing the, the multiple characters of Orphan Black, the process was so intense that she would cycle through characters in her sleep. Okay, take that. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I actually hate to admit this, but I think the show looks great. She looks great in it. You know, again, I'm feeling optimistic. Why not? We'll take it. Um, now that I'm like mask for mask, I might watch like The Departed next. I don't like I really don't even know what's wrong with me at this point. Yeah, we'll see. Um what else did I need to tell you? Oh, I'm reading Hollinghurst. So Alan Hollinghurst, I have read three of his books and I'm on my fourth, which is to say I've read I read The Line of Beauty, Gabby Hornig Let Me Borrow the Swimming Pool Library, which I think might be the best, and I've read The Spell, which I loved, and now I'm reading The Sparsholt Affair, which is so far very sexy. Um, I have an Amazon Kindle coming, so I'll be able to read whatever I want whenever I want. Thank you very much um i don't know what else i have to tell you like yeah i think my brain is probably getting smoother while i'm here which is fine um it's literally the whole kit and caboodle in terms of like um beauty here so cruise 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 um and yeah other than that i will see you at the sauna we actually have a good episode pre-recorded like that's a big interview with with a big get i just (laughs) Yeah, any minute now, I'll post it. Um, Anyways, listen. Thanks for listening. Uh, I pray that your retrograde ends peacefully. We're almost at the end. And, um, you know, I'll talk to you later. Mwah.